Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <clears throat> How's everybody doing? Welcome to the afternoon edition, the two o'clock show, zero to 60 here on the Believe Network. I am your host, Matt McChesney, as always. Uh, just like every day, it, every show is brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports is off and rolling. College basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and the NHL are on full swing. Your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions is Bet Online. Uh, <clears throat> head to Bet Online today and remember to use your promo code Believe. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, Bet Online is where all the games start, and that's where we're going to start today. Um, look, today's a big show. We've got uh, a next teammate of mine and a, a former first-round draft pick, the uh, <clears throat> host of two uh, pros and a cup of Joe. Uh, you can hear him every morning. Uh, and then also on the big new kickoff, uh, each and every Saturday with Liner, my boy, my boy Joel Clatt. It's the Good Looking Quarterback Show. Uh, my man Brady Quinn is joining us here today. I'm going to bring him on right now, and we're going to make this show look a lot better. Man, I'm telling you, that's one good looking quarterback right there. My man Brady Quinn joins us here on Zero to Sixty. BQ, what's up? You there? Bia, are you there? Nope. All right, we're having some technical difficulties there with uh, Brady on the end of uh, of that transaction there, but we'll uh, we'll get him going here when he comes back. All right, so today we're going to talk about <clears throat> quarterback play, okay? And it's going to be all quarterback play. Shador Sanders, it's going to be Penix Jr., it's going to be Caleb Williams getting Brady's opinion on all of that. Uh, you know, Bo Nix, Hartman, Drake May. I mean, it's a deep quarterback draft to say the least. Um, I'm also going to talk to him about the professional quarterbacks and, you know, what we're looking at here from, is this a phenomenon with Dobbs? Is it a phenomenon with some of these guys that are a little unknown? Uh, or are quarterbacks just deeper than they've ever been? Uh, or is it the rules? and the ability to throw the ball over the yard and not really have to, uh, you know, accommodate for safety play and coming downhill. So uh, we'll see how all that goes. Um, Yeah. Uh, So we're going to try and get Brady on back here. There's no audio. That's great. Okay. Everybody's just going to have to relax until I figure this out. Check, check. 
then it works. Uh, I don't know if Brady's not here. He says there's no audio. That is what it is. All right, so we're just going to, I guess, all talk about uh, quarterback play. Um, okay. And there he is. All right, let's see if this works now. Got it. Ah, yes, all right, cool. Sorry about right. that. That's all good, brother. Like I said, this is Zero to 60 on the Bleed Network. I am your host, Matt McChesney, and the show just got a lot better looking because my man Brady Quinn's on it. What's up, BQ? How's life? Bro, uh, I love listening to you every morning on Two Pros and a Cup of Joe. You got me rolling. Uh, the big <laughs> new kickoff shit you do is awesome. I know you and Joel and, and, and Liner are all cutting it up there every Saturday. Uh, thanks for joining the show, brother. I can't wait to talk about quarterbacks. How are you? And uh, yeah. What's happening? I'm doing good, man. Obviously, uh, good to be talking with you. It's been a little bit, of, been a little while, but been busy. Um, just a lot of football this time of year, you know, a lot of college, a lot of NFL. Trying to trying to keep up with all of it. I got four little kids now, so trying to chase them around too at the same time. But it's uh, it, it's not a job, man. It's it's so much fun being able to be a part of the game of football and, and like the broadcast world, especially the way I get to and the guys I work with, Jonas and Lavar on. Two pros and a cup of Joe, and then obviously you know Matt and Mark and Coach and uh, all that on the show. Just it's, it's so much fun to be able to just follow the game of football and talk about it as as a career. So never envisioned doing this, but kind of fell into it once I was done with my playing days. Yeah, and you know our time with the Broncos was short, but it was sweet, and you know bonds are formed. And I'm wondering, like you know. The NFL means not for long. Everybody experiences that. Even even a great like LeVar Arrington, your co-host in the morning. I mean, LeVar was an unbelievable football player. He only played like eight years, right? Yeah, I don't even know if it was that long. You know, yeah. had those three, three Pro Bowl seasons and that Achilles injury and some other injuries that, that really ended up plaguing him. Uh, no doubt about it. I mean, I, someone said this to me the other day, uh, and I was like, yeah, you're probably right. They're like – I actually think it was Shane Gillis, the comedian, but we were like LeVar Arrington, probably best defensive football player in college football history. And you're like, there's a lot of, there's like other names you could throw in there. Like obviously Charles Woodson won the Heisman, you know, ended up doing it as a two-way player. He'd be in that conversation too. You know, Ed Reed, Warren Sapp, Dominican Sue, Derek Brooks, guys like that. But, you know, Manti Teo finished second uh, in, in the Heisman that year. Um, right. So there's a lot of guys you can throw in the in the conversation, but like Lavar is definitely in that conversation. So kind of ridiculous when you think about it. I mean the 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 leap over the pile. I remember in Happy Valley, it's like with him and Courtney Brown going, yeah. you know, first and third. Like just that era of football was so different. And I bring that up, you know, I bring it up because look. The NFL is is a fleeting business. It it's it's mercenaryville. College football is where it's at, bro. And, it, you know, you, I know that you're a proud Golden Domer. I'm a proud Buffalo. LeVar's a proud Penn State and Indy Lion. You know, you're on that set with Leinart. He's, you know, diehard SC. I, when I was up at the SCCU game with Big Noon was there, his son was a recruit. My son was a recruit. We were sitting there talking in line, a couple of dads. I, You know, I played with Joel for for three years. He's one of my best friends on this earth and he does a great job on the broadcast. Just talk about the fact that like exactly what you just said, it doesn't feel like a job. 
Like, talk about how special it is to be able to go to campus to campus, watch player after player after player, and do it with your boys and, and Coach Meyer. And, like, just talk about Big Noon and everything you guys do. And then try and just zoom in on Boulder because you guys came twice. Yeah, we've been there. Um, I mean, technically we followed CU um, three times, you know, those first three weeks of the season with the way. Oh, that's right. Out. That's right. It, it was, was three CCU. times. Yeah, so – like there's a lot that goes behind the scenes um, for putting on a show. You know, we literally just got off a conference call uh, a few moments ago, and that's really the beginning of just our discussion of, hey, what do we want to talk about? What matchups we want to look at? Storylines um, that, that could play out this upcoming weekend. And then we start to kind of funnel into like whatever that's going to be for this given week. And so this time of year, obviously, you're you're talking about the culmination of conference championships college football playoff rankings, the national championship, like who's kind of going to have a shot at that, the Heisman Trophy, all those things. And I think the the thing for us, like, is everyone's got kind of their different take on it, but you obviously want to try to support each other in the way you go about doing it. So uh, you're working as a team, kind of talking about what you're seeing on film and, and what you kind of think and how that may play off one another, or maybe even how you disagree, uh, but but some good, good content for TV. So it's Look, it's a fun job, man. It really is. The interesting thing is just this time of year, and especially coming up the Boulder, you know, you you try to tap into like the big storylines of college football, and the I think the biggest, arguably the biggest this year was Colorado. I mean, right out the gates, what Dion did with the Buffs uh, to start the season, uh, right out the gate, like beating expectations, what a lot of people thought. And, and then since then, it's been kind of like, all right, now there's maybe a little bit more drama uh, involved in it and the demotion of Sean Lewis and kind of, you know, the lack of wins and defense struggling and, and, you know, Shador getting hit too much. You know, those all things kind of then start to become talking points. But uh, it still doesn't take away from what this team's accomplished. This is a much better football team than where it was a year ago. Um, they're laying a foundation and building blocks for what they can be in the future. And I think – in a world right now of instant gratification, I think you can't get caught up in, you know, trying to always measure yourself week to week. I mean, you love that to be the case. Everyone would love to be Georgia right now and be on basically a three-year winning streak. But there's only one team that's been able to do that. In fact, the only time you've ever seen a team be able to three-peat was Minnesota back in the 1930s. So Georgia's wow. trying to redo that now. Um, it's it's So it's, you know, you're they're building something there in Boulder. And I think – it's been amazing to be able to see the way that community has been built back up, the excitement around the football team. And it's so different than where it was. Like I remember yeah. calling uh, back when, when Mike McCartney was there, McCarthy was there. Um, and I want to say it was like 2016, maybe. Where, yeah, the one from the South. They had a really good yeah, year. So, so Colorado was hosting Utah and, and to win that game. Um, and I think it was Sefa Lufau was the quarterback. Yeah. And I remember that year, like, just everything about that game. It was so scenic. It was a tight game. Colorado wins, beats Utah in the end to go to the Pac-12 championship. The fans rushed the field. Like, that was one of, like, the all-time moments I had of calling a game, just seeing, like, it doesn't get much more pitcher-esque than that. And Amen, thinking, brother. like, man, this is just the beginning of what Colorado was capable of. And then it never really came to fruition. Obviously lost Pac-12 championship game. Hell, that was the last time the Pac-12 made it to the college football playoff. When yep. UW went that year, scored their opening drive, and they obviously haven't been back or scored since. So um, it was just kind of interesting to see not only like where Colorado went after that, but then also like where the Pac-12 had gone because it kind of went in hiding and USC had been a mess and just the whole thing since then. Uh, and that's you're talking about like literally like seven years ago when, when that was the case. So 
it, it's awesome to see Colorado back in the mix and building something there with Dion. Yeah, brother. I mean, look, I I hate saying this, but 16 was a great year. But I, I was a senior captain on the last team that won a bowl game in Boulder in 2004. And I'm 42 now and an old head. And we're sitting here talking about football. So I think that, you know, that times are changing in Boulder and it's exciting. Uh, I, I love getting, you know, your, your perspective on that because you see it differently. Quarterbacks see the game differently. And the great Brady Quinn joins us here at BQ. There's a deep group of college quarterbacks, bro. I mean, these kids can really play. And I'm sure I'm missing people, but I only think one of them comes back unless I'm wrong. There's Caleb Williams, Shador, Sanders, Penix Jr., who's killing it, Bo Nix, your boy Hartman, who, I mean, look, Notre Dame's quarterback, he has a beard like Dan Fouts, okay? And he wore a bone necklace made from his own rib cage that his mother made. I mean, if you're not drafting that guy, you're crazy. And then Drake May, at the and I'm, he's at the bottom of the list, and I don't know how I forgot him. I know I'm missing a couple of guys probably, too. There's some really good depth out there in the country. But is this – I mean, is this – as good a quarterback group as you've seen in college football in decades. I mean, this is like 83 draft kind of type of stuff. Yeah, it's a really deep class when you break it down. And, and obviously the additional year of eligibility in the COVID year has helped the number of these guys continue to kind of prove themselves and transform and mature at that position. You know, quarterback playing is such a, um, you know, experiential position where you got to get the reps, you got to play. And so, obviously, Caleb Williams, Drake May, those are the top two in this class, especially if you watch this past week what Drake May was doing. Like, he's put that team on his back at times, as has Caleb Williams. And, and both those guys have the ability to extend plays. They have the ability to throw downfield, make plays, you know, from the pocket with good timing and accuracy. Um, they've really separated themselves, I think, from the rest of the group. And then you start talking about guys who are like six-year players, like Bo Nix, who's having a phenomenal right. season. Could very well win the Heisman at Oregon. You know, Michael Penix, who is, is up there amongst the group of leaders right there for the Heisman, too, at UW. Uh, Jaden Daniels, I think, is skyrocketing up. Uh, they go. back for LSU. A, a lot of people, as far as if you look at how the game's played now and the necessity for mobility, Jaden Daniels is putting up numbers we haven't seen since, like, dare I say, Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's what he's literally been doing when you look at total yards from scrimmage, passing and throwing, total touchdowns accounted for. He's been so much fun to watch, and it's been fun watching him mature too as a player. He's in that mix. You know, you mentioned Shador Sanders. You know, I don't know if he'll want to come out this year or go back for another year and potentially continue to develop. And also with so many different guys in the mix, like do you do you maybe wait another year so you can't go number one overall? Like those yeah. are always considerations <laughs> and things you look at as a quarterback when you are in the position to be drafted, but you have the eligibility to come back too. And that's just to name a few. I mean, Quinn Ewers is going to be draft eligible. Will he look at wanting to come out? Um, you could throw J.J. McCarthy into that mix, that quarterback in Michigan. He's also draft eligible. Will he look at wanting to come out? Uh, there's just a ton. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke had a really good first half of the season. Has cooled off a bit. You know, I'll be curious to see what he ends up doing as well. Um, I mean, Jordan Travis at Florida State, they're undefeated right now, Going to you know, on their way to go win an ACC championship. There's so many guys you can throw into that conversation of, of putting them up there for what they're capable of. Um, and so it, it's hard to tell. I mean, but I would say definitively uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May are the top two in most people's book as far as how they, they – probably everyone's book as far as how they look at this quarterback class, but a very deep class, as you said. And, and look, Bo Nix, 
you know, just to focus on him. And then I want to ask you about Shador as we've got, you know, the Buffalo country definitely follows this show and wants to get your opinion on that. Uh, Bo Nix has the most starts in college football history. And I understand that it's a COVID year and whatnot, but you can't really teach experience, bro. And like you played a lot of college football and I know it helped you in the league. How much do you think like that kid could probably end up in the second, third round and just, you played with Russell Wilson in Seattle. He's a third-round draft pick. I mean, I look at Bo Nix, and I'm like, he's going to fall into some great situation in the NFL and just play forever. You, you hope so, right? Like, you hope that you end up in a really good situation and circumstance uh, for quarterbacks because that's – I mean, that's really what, what's helpful. You know, when you yeah. look at, for example, this year in the top two quarterbacks taken, Bryce Young in Carolina and then Houston with C.J. Stroud number two overall – CJ Stroud's put himself in the conversation for MVP, like yeah, for the offensive rookie of the year. We're talking about MVP. He's thrown for over 800 yards the past two games. He's got 15 touchdowns, only two interceptions. So, um, you know, all the things that you saw on display at Ohio State have translated really well. And it helps too when you've got, um, you know, a supporting cast and Nico Collins that didn't play this past week, but it's been solid for them. Tank Dell, the rookie draft pick, has been solid for them. Uh, yeah. Noah Brown stepped up. Dalton Schultz has been great at the, yeah. the uh, tight end spot. So you uh, ran that dude straight over BK. Wow, he ran his ass over. It was dope, I, I, dude. It's 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 impressive. But but the point is, is like then you look at the supporting cast for Carolina, and you've got a new head coach, and you've got a team that's in rebuild mode, and an offensive line that's struggled, and outside of Adam Thielen, receivers that have struggled to be consistent and impact. And you're like, oh, man, that's a tough situation to be able to raise the level of talent of everyone around you. And, and that's the tough thing about the NFL is in college, you get to choose where you go. So you kind of know going into it, like this is what I'm choosing to go play, who I'm going to play for, the, you know, all that. But in the NFL, you get picked and you just got to deal with the circumstances that you're dealt. It's like getting a you know tough card of hands that you got to play out, right? And so that's where I think when you look at um, – you know, for example, if, if you're Shador Sanders, for you know, for example, accurate quarterback, really poised and calm under pressure. I mean, and he's been under pressure as much as any quarterback probably in, in college football this year. He's a way better athlete as far as mobility, too, than people give him credit. Like, he could take off and run. He can create extend plays. Throws a really good deep ball. Like, a lot of the things that I see from Shador, I kind of almost would say are similar to C.J. Stroud. Like, pinpoint accuracy – catch and run with the football, downfield accuracy too, can really play from the pocket. Like those are all things that, you know, they win at the next level. Like as much as we get enamored with Patrick Mahomes because he's like the best in the league right now, tend to forget like Tom Brady won a bunch of Super Bowls playing from the pocket where accuracy, timing, pocket movement, anticipation, all those things mattered. And I think he plays with that sort of that sort of swag and that sort of skill. So uh, whether or not he wants to come out this year, that's going to be a, a good problem that he's got, you know, to and decide to make. And I'm sure his dad will counsel him a lot. Uh, and I think it's interesting, too, as they move from the Pac-12 into the Big 12, I, I think they could fare really well in that transition and maybe you want to hang around for a year and see how it goes because I, I really do think they're just starting to build something and they'll continue to build something after the season. Obviously, some football left to be played, but um, you know, still it, it's been a, a solid foundation so far. Yeah, I really like what Coach Prime's done. You know, we talked about that at the beginning of the show a bit. And I think the transfer portal, obviously, you know, the business I'm at at Six Zero Academy, it's it is crazy, bro. I mean, there's no tampering rules, and there's coaches calling about players, and it's there's tons of movement and just money getting thrown around. 
Before we get in, I wanted to ask you about Russell Wilson and the Broncos a little bit and, you know, some of these professional quarterbacks. Uh, before we get into that, where do you think the future of the transfer portal conference realignment, just this whole mesh of business that seems to be just cowering over college football, where do you think it's going to take us? And then lastly, is Notre Dame ever going to go to a conference? I mean, for God's sakes, David Bruton and Ryan Harris are driving me crazy. They won't shut up. It's just, oh, Notre Dame doesn't need to go to conference. We're, we've got our own conference. We're our own conference. Shit. I mean, I, I'll, I'll literally answer that by just simply saying we're everyone's best non-conference game. Like, you're welcome. You're welcome. Like, <laughs> whoever plays Notre Dame, they, they circle that. Everyone flies in for that game. They probably take a bye before it. Like we are, we we literally help you when you come. When it comes down to the college football playoff rankings, everyone's like, "Well, strength of schedule. Who do they play in the non-conference?" Right? It's like, "Oh, they played Notre Dame. Okay, check. Like, like play tough schedule. Like, I'm just saying, people want us to join a conference. Why? Like, so many different conferences get to share in playing Notre Dame, and it helps build their strength of schedule. I, I never understood it. Like, let us do our thing. You keep doing your thing. We can't in the new expanded playoff, the way the rules are set up for next year's 12 team playoff, Notre Dame, even if they were the top four team, they couldn't get a first round bye. So think about that. Like you're kind of playing at a disadvantage when all these other teams are playing in their conference championship. And if yeah, they win that conference championship, they can get a bye. Notre Dame can't. Like they're gonna they get to host a playoff game potentially if they're gonna be ranked high enough, but they still have to go an extra game in order to get to that national championship, which is the harder road. And by the way, right. We're just we're just fine with that at Notre Dame. We like we like yeah. hard. We like we like going the, the hard long way to go accomplish something. So um I, I would simply leave it at that. Uh in regards to where this yeah, all Notre goes. Yeah. In, in regards to where this all goes with college football, um, there's a couple of big core decisions that are kind of coming down. One in the state of California, one in Pennsylvania. And what will most likely happen is is rulings will be made that will most likely deem student athletes as employees of schools. This will then, I think, provoke the federal government to get involved. And then at that point, I don't know what the solution will be. Um, but I, I think because of those rulings or anticipating those rulings, because of the the, um, uh, the National Labor uh, Board, the, the National Labor Relations Board, because of how all that's going to work and go, that's most likely the path it's headed. And I think that then leads us to a point where universities are going to have to make a decision. There are some who are going to sit there and say, we are built to be able to be a part of a model where our student athletes are not student athletes, they're employees. And there's others who are going to say, well, our student athletes are student athletes. Like we're not built to be able to have student athletes that are employees. And, and I also, I don't know if that means it's like just football that becomes employees or if it's all sports or just the big three, where it's, which is basically football, men's, women's basketball. That's kind of the future of, of what may be coming. And if it ends up being the case where, you know, you become employees, like you got to think about those issues. If there's an issue with a, a student athlete, or in this case, a, a now employee, you got to go talk to HR. Do, do these universities have an HR department where they're going to be able to have these complaints from student athletes? Oh, like, <laughs> you got to have this robust, um, you know, structure in with their ecosystem, that university that can handle all of that. You know, does, do the employees, do they unionize? Like, like how does this all work out? So there's a lot of like questions, I think, as we move forward with what this could look like. 
I'm hoping it doesn't get to that point. I'm hoping student athletes can maintain, you know, be student athletes and uh, student athletes can still get a degree, get an education, and that can still be important to people. I, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of that. I've got two degrees. I've, I've graduated my undergrad. I went to my grad, graduate school as well and got my MBA. So I think that's what's getting lost in everything you're seeing right now. And as, as players look for opportunities in the transfer portal, they're forsaking their degree. They're forsaking progress academically. They're forsaking building a network and a foundation academically to have something after football. And, and that's what worries me and concerns me the most for a lot of these student athletes that are kind of jumping, you know, whether they, they transfer and they take a opportunity to go somewhere else uh, as a grad transfer or undergrad, hopefully at least if they get their degree, you're a grad transfer, go play football, go find that opportunity. But undergrad, like, you gotta, you gotta try to set some bearings and a foundation somewhere where you can grow and mature as a person and as a student and as an athlete. So um, as far as the transfer portal window, like what, what I'd like to see changed and they just reduced the window to 45 days instead of, yeah. uh, you know, 60, I'd love to see one window. Like, I, I don't think we need a window in May. I, I really don't. I, I think what you do is you create a 30 day window that hits in December to January and, and you're done. Okay. And look, if something happens in the spring where there's a hardship, there's a waiver system for that within the NCAA. Tez Walker, wide receiver for North Carolina, was deemed eligible. He wasn't eligible for a minute. They finally got him eligible to play this year at some point in time. There is a path if something happens to be able to transfer and go through that route. I think that's reasonable to say, look, young man, young woman, I want you to commit to our school for a year. I don't want you to be able to transfer after you just got here in December, January, you're here for the spring, you transfer back out in May. All right. Or, or you decide it's not for you in May. Like that to me isn't a system that really works. And I don't think you need two windows. I think you can have one. So I would shorten the window even more. I'd go to 30 days, December and January, and I'd be done and make these young people commit for a year. I don't think that's that much to ask and create a waiver system for those that, 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 you know, have those scenarios come up. So that's how I think the transfer portal would would be best suited. And I also think that you should you know bring back the rule of making kids sit out for a year if they do want to transfer. And that's going to help twofold. Right now we have an issue with NIL as far as inducement with the transfer portal. And I think one of the things – bad, Brady. Bro, I get phone calls all day from coaches asking me to talk to players. And I'm not an agent. I'm a football consigliere, bro, but I'm not an agent. Like I run a business where we place players – I'm yeah. telling you all day, hey, we, I need an offensive lineman. Can you call this kid? And, and like, it, the business part of me has to do it. Right. And, and, I, and I think the way you slow that down, because you can't stop it. It's impossible, right? No, it's always going to be there. The way you slow it down is you bring back the penalty, if they're undergraduates, to then be able to transfer without having to sit out a year. And that's going to be unpopular, I understand. But the truth of the matter is it forces young people to then commit to something. And if they do want to make that decision – you're going to have time. You can go transfer there, but you can focus on yourself. You can make that transition to a new destination with your personal life and as a student, and then you can get everything back on track, but you're not going to be able to help out that athletic team. And the reason why I say this is because then it, it kind of slows down the inducement. If you're a team that's going to pay a kid to come to another school and do something illegal like that, well, you're not going to see the benefits of, from that for two years. And most people in a world we live in want instant gratification. So the player wants it. The school wants it, Right but they don't get that right away. And so then you really test whether or not they truly want that person to be there. And if it's worth it, then then go transfer. And I think it, it puts more pressure on, you know, getting those kids as graduate transfers or then getting them out of high school 
and not so much trying to tamper on other rosters while they're currently uh, an undergraduate student at a different, you know, at a various university. Man, BQ, you are spitting straight fire and facts today on Zero to 60 on the Believe Network. Got one more question for you here, brother. And uh, and then I'm going to let you talk a little bit about your uh, 3G Foundation and, and everything you do there before we get you out of here. Look, you played with Russell Wilson for a short time in Seattle. It, you, you know him. You, the, I think the NFL has a lot of really, really good quarterbacks. I don't know if the Tom Brady's gone, so I'm not going to say everybody. Like Mahomes is elite. We know that. He's from a winning perspective. I really value quarterbacks' decision-making, your eyes, the way that you guys articulate. Like you see things differently. You study things differently. You lead differently. And there's a reason so many of you are on TV and you guys are all so good at this. Um, let me get your thoughts on, you know, some of the elite guys in the NFL that you watched week in and week out that impress you. And then also, have you ever seen anything like Josh Dobbs, bro? Like I'm, I'm dumb, dumbfounded on the, the evaluation process in the NFL sometimes. And how many guys do you really think they miss that could play? Well, again, I, you know, he, he's the best story in the NFL. Like, he should win NFL Comeback Player of the Year. It's incredible to be able to go to three teams in one year and be able to help them win games. Like, I, I know it was only one in Arizona, um, but he kept, them competitive. <laughs> he, he, he kept them competitive, and now he's won two at, at the Minnesota Vikings. I know he didn't start two weeks ago, but he, he came in and got the win, basically, as fast as Jaron Hall got knocked out. So, look, at, the way I look at it is, and how I describe it to people is, when you go to different offenses, it's like speaking a different language. So, like, imagine someone asks you to pick up one day and go off and do your job, but in Spanish or Portuguese or Italian or what have you. And in some cases, you know, like Russell Wilson, for example, he went from a West Coast offense that he had, you know, with Daryl Bevel to a West Coast offense with Nathaniel Hackett. Now, there are other versions along the way, right? Brian Schottenheimer is there. That's more of the digit system. Uh, he had Shane Waldron, which is more of a variation of Sean McVay's system, which isn't quite that. It, it kind of stems from the Shanahan tree. So there are different variations during his time in Seattle. But, you know, he was there for a long period of time. And it's a little easier to adapt to some of those changes because, you know, you, you have your Doug Baldwins. You have your receivers that you've thrown to for a long time. Tyrell Lockett, for example, Jermaine Curse, guys who were there with him in Seattle for such a long period of time that even though you make those subtle changes over the course of careers there, um, those guys aren't changing around you. And, and that's 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 helpful to be able to keep that rapport in chemistry while you're changing the mental aspect of it. Right. One of the hardest things to do is when you then go to a different team, new new surroundings, new personal life. Like, where am I getting my groceries? Who's, you know, how am I getting around? Where am I going? Like all those little things that you never had to think about before because you became ingrained in the community in Seattle. Now you got to figure that out again in Denver. Where am I going to live? Um that that's ends up being more stressful than we ever want to realize. And I'm not trying to make excuses. It's just the reality of it. Okay. Um, and then you, on top of that, you've got a West coast offense with Nathaniel Hackett. But the problem is that West coast offense can vary, very greatly. Like I remember when I got released from the Seahawks in 2013 and I signed with the jets, they were both West coast offenses. Daryl Bevel ran a, a pared down West coast offense compared to Marty Morningwig. Marty Morningwig was like old school. Like we were still the, flipping the Bill Walsh 49ers. Like you had every single word of a play call whereas Daryl Bevels have evolved where like they didn't say 22 scat. They just said scat. Yeah. You know, they, they, they removed some of the stuff that were like really didn't make sense to like have it that way, or at least not for that, that offense. 
And so there's variations and things that it takes time to learn. And until you really get in a system for a couple of years, you're still kind of reacting and thinking when you're out there and not so much just playing and being able to play effortless and without thought. So, um, you know, you learn a new offense this year, you got Sean Payton in there. And, and I think you really sort of see him kind of catch on where Sean Payton's playing to his strengths. The system, I think, fits better to him. The offense is starting to click. The defense has been better. I really, I'm more bullish on the Broncos, I think, moving forward the rest of the season. Look, I picked them to be a playoff team before the year started. I still think they can be a playoff team based on how things look out there. The AFC is, I don't want to say wide open, but there's a lot of teams jockeying right now for position. And if you can beat the Chiefs, shoot, you can beat anyone in the AFC. They can beat Buffalo tonight. They can beat Minnesota Sunday night at home. Like, you can beat Kansas City, you can beat those teams. No doubt. I mean, look, Buffalo's defense is banged up. Uh, in particular at the cornerback positions. They've got obviously talent and mismatches, I think, on the outside. you got two weeks to prepare coming off the bye. Right. You know, this is one of those those t- times when, like, you've seen the inconsistencies of the Buffalo Bills. If you could be the more physical team, you get a couple turnovers for Josh Allen, you can go, you can go into their Buffalo and win that game. We, we've seen that before. We watched Cincinnati do it last year when they did it in the playoffs, play with backup offensive linemen who right. are pushing that front around. So, look, Brady – Brother, I could ask you questions all day long and just get fire answers. But you know what? You're going to have to listen to him tomorrow on Two, Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington and his man Jonas Knox. I listen to you guys every morning driving into the lab at 5 a.m. You guys have me laughing my ass off. And, of course, the big noon kickoff. Where are you guys this Saturday? We're actually following the Michigan story. So Michigan, nice. Maryland. And, I'm uh, glad you brought that up. So, so yeah, can yeah. I ask you something real quick? Yeah. Okay, so Drake Nugent's one of my guys. He's the center from Michigan. I've been working with him since he was 15 years old. Highlands Ranch High School across the street from my house. Like, just a, an unbelievable football player. Brother, you're playing quarterback for Michigan. Just I know that's that's like I, I made you sick to your stomach, but just hypothetically. They ran the ball 30 straight times at Penn State, dude. Like, I called Drake, and I, I have goosebumps talking about it. I was like, I'm so proud of you. Like, he's like, I just run the plays. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still so proud of you. And like the Connor Jones and Reese Adbury and Andrew Gentry, they're all backups there, but they're still part of that Joe Moore like line. There's four Dungeon family guys there. It made me so proud. 30 straight runs? Like, yeah. dog, that's I mean, just lining up and saying, look, this middle finger right here, that's for you. It was um, – so there's a couple couple backstories to it. One, it was actually 32 when you count the kneel down. So if you wanted the number to sound more – 32, baby. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and that, now there was a pass in there. It was a DPI that got erased because it was incomplete, but they got called for the penalty. So they, they did have something in there. But Sharon Moore, the interim head coach, who's their offensive coordinator, obviously O-line coach as well, he said at halftime that he wasn't going to call another pass the rest of the game unless he had to. He said that at halftime. And you know who was the biggest advocate cheering for him? J.J. McCarthy. Like, that whole locker room turned up. And the quarterback was kind of leading the way with, like, hell yeah. Like, this is what we're going to do. Last year, if you recall, when they were played in Ann Arbor, Penn State was, like, a number four, I think, in the country versus the run. And they ran for 418 yards. Now, this year's defense has been even better than that. I think they might have been, like, number two coming in this game. And they still ran for the, the most they gave up all year, over 220 yards, I believe. And literally, without even throwing the football in the second half, like that is just taking another man's will when you're able to run the football like that. And and so much so where I think you have Penn State fans who are just frustrated seeing it two years in a row. But it, it says something about the DNA of that Michigan locker room and of those players. 
and just the demeanor in which they have. Like, I love the fact that they bring the physicality, the brutality of football to the forefront because in so many ways, Matt, we've taken it out of the game. And I'm not saying that because I'm not – I'm all for safety in football, but it's still a physical sport. And I love the fact of how Michigan plays the game right now. I really do. All right, everybody go follow Brady at Brady underscore Quinn on Twitter. And uh, just real quick, brother, talk about your 3G Foundation and, you know, everything that you do for the handicapped veterans and the wounded. Uh, it's a great cause. And, uh, you know, obviously, as your boy, I'm damn proud of you with all you do. Uh, but this is probably the coolest thing. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, so started. Um, it actually started with the Broncos out in training camp. You know, I met a wounded veteran, asked how I could help. And he simply said, you know, man, I, I didn't envision coming back home and having to adapt to a lifestyle where I'm, I'm wheelchair ridden. And so, you know, I, I called back. My dad served in Vietnam as a Marine. And I said, Dad, you know, I want to help out. What do you think we should do? And he said, well, why don't we kind of, you know, adapt kitchens, bathrooms, remodel homes to help make them handicap accessible for wounded vets. So we started with the first project in, in Columbus, Ohio, built really from there, you know, what we call Operation Home, where we help remodel homes, make them handicap accessible for wounded vets. And then as you know, those requests started to a little bit go by the wayside. We realized as, as many more coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan wanted to continue on with their education. We're like, hey, man, there's kind of a need for an educational platform to help them uh, reintegrate back into civilian society. And so we started Operation Education. So we've got programs at, at The Ohio State University, the University of Cincinnati and, and at Notre Dame to help a lot of those veterans who are coming back, looking to start, continue or finish their education and then finally, Operation Joy. You know, we help out a lot of military families in need, uh, typically during uh, the holiday times, but also throughout the course of the years. So uh, obviously appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Um, you know, I always felt an incredible debt um, as me being the first in my lineage on my on my dad's side. My dad served in Vietnam. My grandfather served in World War II. And I was the first one to kind of break that chain. And without being fortunate enough and blessed to play in the NFL, I probably would have went on and served uh, in the military. So this is just one of my many ways of, of trying to give back and and what I feel like trying to help, you know, serve in my civic duty, uh, giving back to all those who protect our liberties and freedoms. And everybody watching, please obviously like and subscribe on YouTube, but go down 3ng.com, check out the website and make sure you support. I remember talking to you about this training camp, Brady, because my uncle Johnny was a tunnel rat in, in Vietnam and so all my, all my, uh, Families, all military other than me. And if I wouldn't have played football, I would have also been a military man myself. So this is near and dear to my heart. And I'm, I'm very proud of everything you do there. The, Brady, the great Brady Quinn, BQ, joins us here on Zero to 60. Uh, BQ, have a great rest of your day, uh, you and your beautiful family. Brother, enjoy this weekend. Enjoy the Michigan story going to Maryland. I'm sure that those the Terps are shaking in their boots or shells, as they should say. Uh, and I'll be uh, listening tomorrow morning on Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with you and LeVar and uh, Jonas Knox. Brother, thank you so much. As Thanks, always. Thanks, brother. Be yeah. well. Peace. All right, folks. I don't know if you could find a better interview than that. I mean, I, I got to cut up about 15. Uh, shit, I'm just going to post the entire thing uh, and let you guys decide what we should cut up because that was – educational on top of, I mean, just the transfer portal talk on top of what they should do with NIL and the federal government getting get involved. And this is why we have quarterbacks around. I know they're all fucking pencil neck pretty boys, but God damn it, we need them. And they're smarter than all of us. And they, they motivate all of us. And if you're, look, I played with Brady and he's the kind of guy, you know, that talking about, you know, where you fit and how you fit and where you get drafted. 
he if he doesn't go to the god awful Cleveland Browns, his life might be totally different. But that is the adversity of football. And what he was talking about with the transfer portal and people not being able to transfer freely and the NIL stuff and being able to overcome adversity, it's not surprising that we think as similarly as we do. So, uh, look, BQ, thank you so much. Everybody uh, in, in the uh, the chat, I sorry I couldn't get to everybody, but I, I appreciate all of you, everybody that bought T-shirts, appreciate that. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, tomorrow's special. Tomorrow's super special. Uh, 9 or 10 a.m. after the Coach JB show, of course, and after the lab in the morning, we'll be there at 5 a.m. If you want to get on any of the social media platforms and check out what we're doing. Uh, Bree Mason and I will be coming to you with the top six and all the top stories, talking about the Broncos, hopefully getting a huge win in Orchard Park this evening. I put uh, put some money on it tonight, so hopefully the, the donkeys can, uh, can play like the Broncos. And then tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m., uh, we've got Chad Moom on the show. Chad Moom is a third-round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, one of their rotational pieces down there in Jacksonville. They had a tough loss on Sunday to the 49ers. We probably won't talk too much about that, but Chad is a proud legend Titan. He's been in the Dungeon family at 6-0 for years since he was also a 15-year-old. Uh, finished second in the Buckus at the University of Wyoming and is one of the best college linebackers I've ever seen play. Uh, number 48 will be joining us tomorrow on the show to talk about, you know, the Dungeon family and 6-0, the Academy, the Bridge, uh, the University of Wyoming, Coach Bull, the future of that program with NIL and, and conference realignment. And, of course, uh, the transition to the NFL and being a third-round draft pick, playing for a contender, uh, and how cool, you know, just everything is when you dedicate your life to the game and the game picks you. So, uh, yeah, tomorrow will be a kick-ass show. Big thanks to Brady Quinn and all he does for coming on today. You guys in the chat are the best. Appreciate you. Have a good day. Make sure you go and follow everything at 6-0 Academy on all the different platforms and at Remasis 303. I'll be posting a bunch of this shit about Brady, obviously, and uh, go Broncos. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.